The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered whom, all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I don't know how you follow that wonderful singing by all of you. That was fantastic. And all that wonderful singing by our dynamic deacons. God made it so. That was really, really good. Do you guys like to sing? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty neat. So thank you very much for sharing with us today. Loved it. So we have all of that experience, this wonderful singing by our dynamic deacons, the wonderful voices of all of you this morning, and then we get right into weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> so the truth is, the parable that we heard just moments ago is a difficult one. It's a hard one to wrap your head around. It is ugly. And it is horrific. And the truth is, over the last three weekends now, we have been hearing these parables from Jesus that often leave us stirring in our seats with some of the language and some of the imagery that rises to the top. We've been hearing these parables that are often referred to as Jesus' debate with the synagogue down the street. Two weekends ago, we heard the parable of the two sons and whether or not they would work or not work in the vineyard. Last weekend, we heard Jesus debating with the Jewish leaders of the day as to their take on the prophets and then the parable of the heir and son of the vineyard owner being killed. It was the parable of the wicked tenants. Now today we come to the wedding banquet 
we come to this parable, this dinner, this great feast that suddenly turns into a moment, an opportunity of revenge, of punishment, a parable that is filled with violence, with brutality, with arson, with murder. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Question mark? How do we make sense out of something that is so horrific at face value? How do we actually find good news in this story? Well, the truth is, it's there. It is there. It may not be as crystal clear or as prominent as we would like it to be, but even in a story such as this, in a parable such as this, there is good news for you and me to hear, especially when we look at the imagery in addition to some of the horrific imagery. When we look at the other imagery being used, we can find good news wrapped in there. So we come to the story of the wedding banquet, and what has been happening over the last couple weeks is Matthew's focus on this really deep family feud. It's a good old-fashioned family feud that is taking place between the people of Israel, the Jewish leaders of the day, and with Jesus Christ himself. The idea being, Jesus is being challenged about his teaching and preaching. And if he says who, if he is who he really says to be, or who people claim that he is, that he is the Messiah, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so then what does that mean for all of the Jewish leaders of the day and the people of Israel if it is true? So there is all sorts of stirring in their seats over those very questions at hand. Well, and that story then of the man being cast out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? In our story for today, well, that is a response to the rebellious people of Israel. There was all sorts of tension that was going on in that very moment. And so, with all of that on the table with all of the confusion and the chaos that might be there, we can still catch a glimpse of God's love. We can still catch a glimpse of the breadth and depth of who God is for you and for me and to this entire world. So let's take a look at the reading just a little bit. There are a few things that jump out, one of which is God relentlessly goes out in pursuit of other people. The king, right, is asking those to go out and bring in people for the banquet. And this is constantly happening. And so there is this relentless pursuit for all of humanity by God, who comes to you and me reaching out, grabbing hold of us in a world that is desperately in need of such love and grace. The other thing is both good, which is certainly to be expected, and bad are invited to the banquet. The good and the bad are invited to this great feast. In other words, all are welcome at the table. There is a place for everyone. So the question then is, why on earth would the people of then ignore and reject the invitation? After all, 
if you have been, if you have received an invitation, you already have a place at the table. Your name is already there. So why would they reject it? Well, as we read a little bit more in our story from Matthew, we discover that people are far too busy, that there's too many commitments that are taking place in their lives, too many other things that are taking their time and attention away, too many distractions. They're far too concerned about all the things that they own and all the things that they do in their life as somehow that is a badge of honor to signify the very worth in their lives. And so then in our story, the king, God turns all of that on its head, destroys this notion that all of our possessions, all of our awards and accolades somehow are important in the big picture and challenges us to believe that they are actually not, that that's not what it is all about when it comes to the wedding banquet. It's not about one's possessions. And yet you and I are still called to do good in the world. We are still called to be good in the world to treat one another with love and compassion, with care and tenderness, with mercy and forgiveness. We are called to do all of those things, not because that will assure us some place at the table, because your name is already there, but we do those things because of what God has already done for you and me. Your name is already at the banquet. And through Jesus Christ, your sins have already been forgiven. There is already a promise of life everlasting, and so it is our response then in thanksgiving to God as to why we reach out into a world that is in desperate need of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And we do all of these things recognizing and knowing when we are all at the table, we are equal. It doesn't matter what the size of our bank account may look like. It doesn't matter the clothes that we may wear. We are all equal at the table that God has invited each and every one of us to. And so, casting all of those accolades, all of that attention aside, each and every one of us then are welcome at the table and we put on these beautiful robes that signify and symbolize how we have been clothed in Christ, how we have been wrapped in God's love. The image of the bubble wrap is fascinating and beautiful. I don't see how they couldn't pop more of those bubbles. But it's this idea that we are all wrapped up in God's love, that we are clothed in God's expansive love, radical grace and radical inclusivity where all are welcome at the feast. So in case you need some imagery of what that may look like of being clothed in Christ, let's start at the very beginning, in baptism. We see when we gather around the font, infants, children, and adults often come to the font and they are wearing a white garment. They are wearing a white robe, a white baptismal gown or suit a reminder to you and me that we have been clothed in Christ's love, clothed in Christ's grace each and every day. We see acolytes often on Sunday mornings who come out in a white robe and they light and extinguish our candles. Again, a reminder of how we are clothed in Christ. 
We see our ninth graders as they affirm their baptism that they are wearing a white robe. They too clothed in Christ as they affirm their baptism. And at the very end of life on earth as we know it, when we gather here to remember and give thanks to God for a life well lived or a life that is cut too short, a white pall is placed over the casket as a reminder to each and every one of us that yes, we are a child of God and God's love wraps us in his grace and in the promise of life everlasting. So in the days to come, whatever may be on your heart or in your mind or what you may be experiencing, whether it is indeed joyful or whether it is indeed filled with challenge, Remember that you are a child of God and remember that you have been clothed in Christ, that you are wearing that garment each and every day of God's love, forgiveness, and grace that is given for you each and every day. And that there is always then a place at the table with your name on it where you are always welcome. So come as you are. Let it be so. Amen.